Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line as he does every week, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Yeah, g'day, Winnow. How are you? And uh, happy Mother's Day to all our mothers out there. I know it's, um, of all the demographics of our listeners... Oh, it's a I large do... slice of the pie, Ben. It's uh, what I understand from, from the, some of the analytics is that the mother's uh, one of the higher groups of the demographic in our rating. So, yeah, <laughs> to all those listening tonight, um, happy Mother's Day. I hope you've had a great day. I'm sure they have, Karen. I'm sure you spoiled uh, both your wife and your mother, didn't you? Yes, we did. Yeah, a lovely morning down at Inverloch with the wife and then just uh, mum and dad have just left now after a nice roast pork and a bonfire out in the backyard. So I think hopefully both have been left uh, very happy. Beautiful. Now, obviously, the NBA season's winding down, so we're starting to get uh, towards the NBA awards, and one of the biggest uh, awards that everyone likes to talk about are the All-NBA teams, so we're going to we're gonna break down our three All-NBA teams tonight, but before we do, before we jump into that, uh, during the week, the NBA announced some positional eligibility, and there was a little bit of controversy around some of that, so I'll just run through some of the guys that are eligible at two positions, so uh, eligible, eligible for both centre and forward, and probably the most Two uh, controversial names are Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, eligible at both centre and forward, along with Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, Carl Anthony Towns and Draymond Green. And eligible at both uh, guard and forward are, are Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Chris Middleton, Ben Simmons and Devin Booker. Uh, and interestingly, um, there's some names that are eligible at, at uh, one position only. So Giannis and, and Zion Williamson are eligible at forward only and at centre only at Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella. Now, what's your opinion on this, Caddy? We, we've seen, obviously, I think, as I mentioned, the, the two names that sort of jumped off the page at everybody that were eligible at two positions were Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Now, I can't, for the life of me, remember any of those two guys playing any significant minutes at forward, it seems just a bit of a, a bit of a get out of jail card to maybe shoehorn probably, well, arguably the two best players for the for the season into the first team All NBA. Are you happy with that? Do you think that that's okay to to do that to get the two best players in, or do you think that we should stick traditionally to the uh, positions? No, look, I, I think what they've done's quite progressive, really. I mean, it's a it's a positionless league, um, and it has been for a number of years in in, in all reality. So I think the fact you know that we can now put you know have the ability as as uh, as selectors to be able to select Embiid and Jokic into the into the first team it, it certainly then opens up the rest of the ballots because you know those two guys all the way through the season particularly you know in Embiid in Embiid's case uh, up until the All-Star break in particular and now at the back end it was the pre- predominantly the dominant player in the competition and Jokic has been really consistent at a high level all the way through so they almost would have seemed to be an injustice to have to leave one of them off um, albeit that's the way it's kind of rolled for the last however many uh, years over the decade. So it does seem a bit convenient that they've been able to uh, pull this lever in this season in particular. However, I also think it is a sign of the times and us moving forward. And, and really, with these type of teams, it, it, it is fair. There's so much money on the line within contracts around all-NBA selections and all-star selections that if it has shifted away from hard positioning, um, I think that's a good thing. Given that you've said that, do you think they should just do away with positioning altogether? Because it, it seems a little bit unfair to me anyway that, you know, Embiid and Jokic are eligible at both centre and forward. And, and as I said, ne- neither of them really play the forward position. And you've got guys like Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella that don't have the luxury of being nominated for that forward 
uh, position. And even someone like Giannis, I'm sure he's played you know, quite a bit of small ball five at stages during the year. So I could see uh, an argument for him to be eligible at centre as well. And, and even a Zion as well. There's probably times where the Pelicans, I know they've played you know, traditionally with, with, with one of those bigs, uh, whether it be Stephen Adams or Jackson Hayes. But I'm sure he's played small ball five at some stages. So do you think they should just totally wipe away with positions instead of having maybe this bit of an unfair advantage to both Embiid and Jokic? Yeah, well, that's where the inconsistency is. So I think your point's really valid there. And I think, I think in the sake of first, second and third NBA teams, if we're just picking the five best players, first team, then the next five, the next five, I think that's probably the way forward um, if they, you know, have gone and had a bit each way on in this situation. So I think that that's probably where the next step would be. This is sort of a, a baby step into into the more progressive positionless game and then I think you know eventually we might get to a situation where it is just positionless and look in the at the end of the day if you were picking your top five plays in this year there's probably going to be a mix of guards and, and bigs anyway so look I think it'll what in the washout it'll still come out reasonably fairly but I think yeah if they've um, taken the liberty to give these guys the ability to be in two positions then they probably should have had open slather on on most of those big guys or you know in, in the guards they should be guard guard forwards also yeah, I totally agree with it. If they're going to do it, let's do away with positions and make it a, a fair and, and even class slate for everybody. And and given they haven't done that, I'm going to be pretty staunch when I select mine. And not that it really matters. I, I can break some news exclusively, Ben, that, that our selections tonight won't go towards the All NBA ballot. So as surprising <laughs> as that may be, but I'm going to be staunch. I, I'm I'm certainly not going to put both Embiid and Jokic on on my first team. So I'll be interested to see what you do with that. So we'll jump into the first team and we'll start with the guards. Now, I don't know how you found this, Caddy. I think there was pro- probably one really clear selection. And for me, that was Steph Curry. And that second guard spot was probably similar to when we spoke about the the uh, all-star teams early in the season. It was always probably going to come down to Luka Doncic and Dame Lillard. Is that how you saw the guard position for the first team? Yeah, pretty much so. I think um, Curry was the absolute unanimous decision for me in terms of you know getting getting him straight into that first team um, his season. And we've spoken at nauseam uh, throughout the podcast series this season about what he's been able to deliver. And, he, and there's just been no sign of slowing that down. He's continued to prop up this pretty much undermanned Golden State Warriors team into a position where they're in, in any other season might have been a legitimate now playoff team. The fact, uh, the, the irony is that they might have to now battle their way through a play-in tournament, which initially we thought was going to be their saving grace. But um, they've been able to, you know, really battle through on the back of Steph Curry all the way through this season. And, and you know, really positioned them well now to, to be a legitimate playoff team. So, yeah, Curry was in for me. I went with Luka Doncic as my second guard just on the back of his excellent season as well. Um, he continues to put up terrific numbers. He's, he's continued to get better as the season's gone on and, and the Dallas Mavericks' fortunes have basically gone alongside that. They've pushed up now to the fifth seed. Uh, eight of their last ten games have been wins and um, Luka's been obviously the, the key part of, of, of all of that. Everything he, everything Dallas do, he's going to revolve around his his ability to perform. Yeah, it certainly is, and, and he has been absolutely outstanding. We we have mentioned, you know, throughout the year that he did it did have a little bit of a slow start to the season, but he certainly rounded himself into form and. 28.4 points a game, 8.1 rebounds and 8.7 assists at 48-35-72 splits. And to have Dallas up in the fifth lead at 39-28 and 28 is a super season. Very similar to numbers to what he, he did put up uh, last season. And, and obviously Steph Curry was was a walk-up start for me as well. He's league-leading 31.9 points a game, 46% from three and 5.3 threes a game, which is a career high. So he, he's been outstanding, as you said, as 
pretty much single-handedly dragged them to that eighth seed. What was it in the end? Because I also had Luka Doncic uh, on, on the first team as well. What was that sort of defining sort of quality between Luka and Dame that made you just was – it, was it very, very close or did you think it was pretty clear-cut Luka? Oh, I think in the end for me it was pretty clear-cut Luka. And I know, you know, if you look at the standings and Portland are only a half a game back of, of Dallas. I just think Dallas have probably had to do it a little bit tougher this year, right out of the gates, really. They were one of the teams that were most, I suppose, harshly dealt with the COVID health and safety protocols early on in the season. The fact that Pazingas has then been in and out pretty much consistently all the way through the season, a lot has been left on the shoulders of Luca. And you could have that same argument with Dane Lillard and the fact that CJ McCollum has missed so much basketball as well. But I think uh, Luca's just ability to, to change the, the narrative of any particular game, he's, he's had probably the more game-winning shots um, when things have got really tight he's been able to deliver the effective field goal percentage sitting in at the 55 percent is a real feature for me I think he's as much as his numbers are, are pretty similar to last year he just has a bit different swagger about him this year and, and the way he's gone about it. I watched him play the other day I forget who it was and just everything they did had to go through him and you know he, he comes across on the tv he doesn't look in incredible shape he still looks like he's carrying some kilos but um, everything he does is just brilliant. He's just one touch. He just swings the ball around. The shooting still has improved, I think, this year. And yeah, I, I just think in the end, he was he was the he was the man to sort of slot into that second guard spot. Yeah, for a guy in, his, in only his third season in the NBA, he's just got such a command of the game, doesn't he? Never looks rushed. I mean, we know he's been playing professional basketball for you know since, since a very young age, and I, and I think you can you know you can certainly see the the benefits of him playing professional ball from such a young age. So. Yeah, I had him marginally in front. I didn't think it was quite clear cut, but but I did certainly have just enough of a margin for it not to be a, a really big discussion. So we'll move on to to the two forward positions uh, now. As I said, it's going to be interesting to see what you do do with that Embiid Jokic situation. Who are the two forwards for you in your fir- first team All NBA? Well, my first one was Giannis. So I've got him as as the first forward there. I think you now the twenty eight point four points, eleven point one rebounds, five. Point nine assists. The numbers are just incredible. Um, you know his numbers really are pretty much on par with any of his previous two MVP seasons. So I think he's almost the sleeper in that conversation. Look, I think we're all assuming Jokic will get it, but you know Milwaukee again have had a terrific season. They're sitting third in the East, and and Giannis has had just another incredible, incredible year. So. Um, you know, it's, been it's, under a li- it's been a little bit underappreciated, hasn't it? I mean, I think we all sort of thought at the, at the start of the season it was almost impossible for, for him to win that, that third in a row. But as you said there, his numbers are really, really similar to, to what he did put up last year in, in a unanimous MVP uh, season. And as you said, he's, he's got the Mil- Mil- Milwaukee Bucks into, into that second seed. So, you know, there's absolutely no reason that Giannis shouldn't be spoken about Amongst the, these MVP leaders, he has missed a, a few games of late, but but it, but his season's been outstanding. I, I also had him in my first team. Yeah, look, it's just his size. It makes it so easy for Milwaukee to turn you know small advantages into the high highest efficiency shots just due to his his size. Um, so the quality playoff teams try and minimise those vulnerabilities best they can. But there's only so much they can do when they get out of that defensive rotation. So he can step over the smaller guards, create opportunities, particularly from his offensive rebounds. And he's just an incredible leader for that team. And, I, you know, for his sake and for the hope of all the Milwaukee supporters, I really hope that they can, you know, make a real fist of things heading into, um, you know, this playoff series. 
Yeah, certainly all eyes are going to be on the Milwaukee Bucks. And I, th- and I think pleasingly and, and, and interestingly as well, his free throw percentage has picked up a little bit this year. And certainly of late, he's starting to inch closer to that 70% uh, free throw from the free throw line. And, and we've seen in the past in the playoffs, the biggest criticism, as we know, on Giannis has been his, his ability to be able to close out for Milwaukee. Hasn't got sort of a reliable go-to move on the offensive end. He's not a great jump shooter. You know, the opposition are happy to give him those open threes. Although we did see... You know, last week or, or this week, when when they played Brooklyn in those in the back to back series, that he did hit you know three or four threes throughout that game, and 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 Brooklyn were happy to give him those. So if he can knock those down, he's only at thirty percent for the season. But if he can creep that up to at least thirty five percent during the playoffs and hit his free throws up around that seventy to seventy five percent mark, it, it's going to be a really big playoff series for Giannis. So I said, yeah, I had Giannis as, as one of my forward spots. For the second forward spot, and I said I wasn't going to go for, with both Embiid and Jokic, I, I ended up going with Kawhi Leonard. Now, this was it was really hard to come up with this forward spot because there's obviously the dilemma this year of guys missing a lot of uh, games through injury and your health and safety protocols. Now, Kawhi has missed the 18 games, so he's played 49 games, but when he's been on the court, he's been outstanding at the 25 points a game, 6.6 rebounds, 5.1 assists, 1.6 steals. So, you know, he's got the, the two Defensive Player of the Year uh, awards in, in his arsenal earlier on in his career. He's obviously not quite at that level defensively, but he's still an excellent perimeter defender when he's really locked in. He's one of those guys that I'm sure n- nobody wants to see them guarding him. So, and, and, and his shooting splits are outstanding as well at 51%. Uh, 30, 39 from three and, and, and 88% from, from the free throw line. So I, I ended up going with Kawhi. When I'm unsure, I generally probably sway towards a guy who I think think is the better player. And I had Kawhi in, in, in the third slot when we did our top 15 players um, a couple of weeks back. So so I, I fell with Kawhi Leonard for that last uh, forward spot. Who did you go with, Caddy? Well, I took the more modern-day approach. We know in the progressive... You, know, you, you are a progressive thinker, Caddy. There's no <laughs> doubt about select, that. You know, select a, a forward centre, if you like. So I did reward Joel Embiid uh, with a spotted forward, um, a very big power forward, really, if you like to position it that way. I just think his season's been absolutely outstanding all the way through. Yes, he's, he's missed um, some time with injury, but you know, based on you know previous seasons, his, his ability to have played as many games has been as good as really any that he had. He's obviously had a scoring uh, average at a, at a career high twenty nine point two at the moment, and you know the fact that the Philadelphia seventy sixes have you know been able to regain that number one ranking. We spoke, I think it was only a week or two ago, that we'll probably both a little bit worried the fact Brooklyn were starting to string some games together and actually had overtaken them in that Eastern Conference race, but they've just peeled off eight wins on the trot to sort of get a to get a three game uh, buffer now in the Eastern Conference. And Joel Embiid is the is the the main key to the reason the seventy sixes are going to be able to be successful this year. They really need him to continue to stand up. And he's done it for, you know, for the most part all through the year. He's, as we said, at the All-Star break, he was probably the unanimous MVP at that point and then obviously had the uh, the injury after that. But he's come back and he, it hasn't seemed to affect him and he, he's had just an outstanding season. And I think the, the, the fact that we can now have the luxury of, of selecting him and Jokic in the one All-NBA team, I think I've taken the opportunity to, to do so. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this because I did hear Howard Beck, one of the prominent NBA journalists, say that he wasn't going to select uh, uh, one of these two. I'm assuming probably Embiid in that forward position. So if he sort of gets his vote split between forward and centre, 
I'm pretty sure they would just take the votes for one of those positions. So it's going to be an interesting dilemma to see what happens there, whether 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 some guys are happy to vote for him as a forward as opposed to just saying, no, he's a centre, he doesn't deserve to be there. So I think that's the interesting aspect in all of this because clearly he's been in the top five players and you know if, if we were going to do what the NBA were allowing us to do, you would certainly put him in there. But I'm more a traditionalist, Ben, so I didn't quite put him in there. <laughs> So obviously he will be he'll be the starting center in my second team. As you said, he's he's had an outstanding year. Only played the forty nine games, but that's the same amount of games as Kawhi Leonard. So if, if I'm not going to dock Kawhi, I'm not going to dock Embiid. Unfortunately for him, you do have to dock him when it comes to the MVP discussion, and we'll probably have that discussion a little bit more in depth last year. But uh, sorry, next week. But it, but he's obviously has had an outstanding year. Philly in the top seat in the East, so he certainly needs to be rewarded for that. Uh, with the centre, I went for Nikola Jokic, and I'm sure it's probably going to be the same for you. As I said, we're going to probably get into a more of a an in-depth discussion about these guys next week. But to to have Denver in the fourth seed at 44 and 24, his numbers at, at 26.4 points a game, 10.9 rebounds, 8.5 assists, which is obviously an outstanding number for a centre. The 1.4 steals, which is also very good. So he's gone from probably a below average defender to an, an either an average or just above average defender, and his shooting splits at 50. 41, 85 are incredible in the 31.1 PA, which is, you know, you start getting into your historic levels there. So Nikola, Nikola Jokic for me was, was was a pretty clear centre, and I'm assuming so for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. It has, has to be there, has to be selected, and, um, you know, he's just an absolute pleasure to watch. He, you know, when you, you'd run out on the court, I don't think he's the person you'd expect to be the most dominant player in the NBA, but he certainly has been that. Uh, this year, he just combining points, assists, and screen assists, Jokic has created 58 points a game this season, which is five points ahead of the second place. So he, he's been able to do it all. You know that ability, just a complete offensive player, both from a scoring and passing point of view. The ability to you know screen and assist at the pick and roll, and and the other big thing here for Jokic, and we spoke about it, um, you know, from his MVP cases, the fact that well, I in particular just had thought that Denver had absolutely no chance moving forward after the Jamal Murray injury, but they've been able to stick pretty fat. Um, they're still in, well, they're going to finish, I think, probably comfortably in the fourth seed now. It's going to be hard for them to get it back up into the top three. Um, but they've got a four-and-a-half game cushion now ahead of Dallas in that fifth seed, as we currently talk about. So the fact they've been able to do that, avoid really free-falling back down, like, say, the Lakers have it as an example into that play-in tournament zone, I think is a real credit to Denver and to Jokic in particular. So absolutely guarantee that he'll be in that first team. It certainly is a credit to him that they have been able to hang on to that top four seed because, as you said, I think everybody had started to write their obituary and that they were going to drop right down and, and be in real strife, but they've been very, very good since all these injuries have started to pile up. So we'll move on to the second team guards. We, we both have Dame Lillard. We, we spoke about the fact that there was a you know the the contest there between him and Doncic, and we both lent uh, slightly towards Doncic, and but Dame's obviously been incredible. So he's he's numbers this season at twenty eight point six points a game, four point two rebounds, seven point six assists, the one steal, the shooting splits at forty four, thirty eight, ninety two are really good considering the the tough shots that that he is uh, that he does have to take with this team. We mentioned the fact that CJ McCollum, who who was brilliant early on before before he had the injury, did miss a large chunk of the season. He's also had Yusuf Nurkic out of the lineup for for an extended period of time and to have them at the moment probably looks like they're going to avoid that that playing tournament and you know catastrophically that the Lakers are, are in that playing tournament at the moment so to be able to carry that the Portland Trailblazers 
Blazers into that sixth seed at the moment with a 39-29 record. Certainly speaks volumes for the season that Dame Lillard's been able to put together. Uh, the second guard spot for me, I, I went with Chris Paul, who, you know, we've spoken about Chris Paul quite a number of times over the last sort of month or so. And, and as I keep saying, his numbers, when you look at just his numbers, they don't jump right off the page at 16.2 points a game. 4.5 rebounds and 8.9 assists with 1.4 steals. His shooting splits are outstanding at 49-39-93, which is actually lead leading from the free throw line. So when you've got a guy who can close out the game from the free throw line, we know how important that is in big games and come playoff time. So, you know, Phoenix are going to want to have the ball in, in Chris Paul's hands uh, come the end of those games. And I think that think that probably the most surprising thing that Chris Paul's been able to play the 66 games. So we've seen him over the years sort of come up with some of these little nicks, whether it be the hamstring or something like that. And he's obviously getting older and older. So to be able to not miss too many games, he's playing in all these back-to-backs. Um, and to be able to get Phoenix up into that second seed at 48 and 19, clearly in that second seed, they're probably not going to be able to chase down Utah for that first seed as it did look like that might be a chance a couple of weeks ago. But to... To have Phoenix in, in a really tough conference, clearly in that second seed, is, is a real feather in Chris Paul's cap. Oh, absolutely. Oh, look, I've um, selected both Lillard and Paul as well as my guards in the second team. And, um, you know, he's touched on both of them as well. And look, Chris Paul, for me, has been a bit of a slow burn, like all the way through his career, really. I've probably been one that's almost cheered against him in a sense. And I've always found excuses as to why I wouldn't elevate him to the same, you know, high level of accolades and conversations many other people have but this, this year is really you, know, you think after being in the league for the best part of 16 17 years i'd find would really had a greater respect but this is the year i've really been able to enjoy what he's been able to do with his phoenix team and there were signs obviously in the bubble last year that you know phoenix were going to be a team on the improve and the fact that then chris paul you know wanted to be there um was a, an, another telling sign that they saw something really positive happening down there so um he's been absolutely great with his leadership his, his offense as well his shooting this year has has been a, a real credit to him I, I would have thought he would have played a real secondary role um and that you know allowed Devin Booker to continue to be the real alpha dog but um Chris Paul's um numbers this year have you know stayed really consistent with career career numbers and I think that for me was a bit of a surprise because you'd think at his age that might have sort of dropped off and you know the fact he's only a six six foot point guard Generally, you know, as they get older, the less effective they can be offensively. But, um, no, he's been able to to really be a real leader for Phoenix and allowed Devin Booker to not have to take on too much additional responsibility. He's really been able to chop him out chop him out, and help him through that. And, yeah, as I said, I don't think any of us had Phoenix jumping up, up so high so quickly. And Chris Paul, although there's even guys on his own team that have better um, stats than he does, I think it's really hard to over overlook his impact and the fact that you know, he has been the a legitimate reason they've been able to take such a drastic step forward. It is funny that, as you mentioned there, that sort of so deep into his career that all of a sudden people are going, you know, he's a really good player, Chris Paul. <laughs> well, he's been doing it his whole career. He's an 11-time All-Star, 9-time All-NBA. He's been the best point guard in, in the NBA basically since the second he almost walked in the league, isn't it? So he's, he's had an incredible career. And, yeah, and, and, and I've, always, I've always loved Chris Paul. I've loved watching the way he sort of dissects an offense. And, he, you know, he, he has had a few little hiccups during some playoff moments, but he's generally been such a good performer in, in those playoffs. And everybody tends to remember those bad moments, unfortunately. So for Chris Paul's sake, I hope he has a massive playoffs and, and Phoenix can make a really long, sustained run throughout the playoffs. Moving on to the forwards in the second team, Caddy, I, th- I thought this was pretty tough as well. Who did you fall on for the forwards in your second team? 
Well, I did have Kawhi Leonard, so you obviously had him in your first team. I've slotted him into the second team, and that was really on the basis of this ability to slide both the big guys, Jokic and Embiid, into that first team. I think otherwise, you, Leonard is probably the guy that I would have settled on. But no, he's had another really solid season. We expect nothing less from him. He's been able to get out on the court and play a really, you know, really strong stretch of games for for LA and. Again, they're a team. I probably and it probably mixes into the fact of the Chris Paul stuff. They're just a team that I haven't really enjoyed um, watching over the years. But they've been able to turn things around this second half of the season, where they were kind of languishing in that fourth, fifth spot for most of the season in the West, and they've been able to at least get a bit of a run on and, and you know be really the third, um, the clear third team now. And but the proof again for me will still be in the pudding playoff time for for both Leonard and. Paul George, who I'm sure we'll speak about later on. But, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard's had another absolutely outstanding season and it absolutely deserves a consideration for both the first team, no doubt. But also, I think, you know, there's no way he's going to slide past past the second team. No, he, he certainly hasn't had an outstanding year. Obviously, I put him on my first team. So the, the first forward that I selected, and I, and I probably thought he re- – well, this is the one that I, that I didn't think too much about was Julius Randle. At the 24.1 points a game, 10.2 rebounds and 5.9 assists, the 46-41-80 splits. And, you know, amazingly, we did speak about the Knicks quite a few weeks ago and we gave, gave a lot of plaudits to Randall. But to, to, to still have the Knicks up at the fourth seed at 37 and 30, absolutely nobody saw this coming at the start of the year. You would have almost been committed to a mental, mental institution if you were trying to tell somebody that New York would have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. So... After all these years, they've finally been able to get this star, this Julius Randle. And as I said, nobody saw this coming at all. His, 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 his three-point shooting to improve so much uh, is a real feather in his cap. He's led this team of sort of battlers and triers. And obviously, Thibodeau's been able to galvanise this group together. Their defence has been outstanding. And he's played a big part in that. He's he's never really been noticed for his defence, but he's certainly been really solid on that end. And he's, he's clearly their go-to player. So I think Julius Randle really needs to be recognised for the season he's had and, and and deserves to be in the second team as a forward. Yeah, look, I've got him as well. So we've got, you know, really similar similar names there. But, yeah, my two forwards, Randall and Leonard. You know, you look back at when he did sign as a free agent with the New York Knicks. He was a three-year, $62 million contract at the time that was almost, you know, a bit scoffed at in a sense. Well, here we go. The Knicks are just wasting, you know, big cap space again. But this has turned out to be one of the real bargain contracts now in the NBA. So he's you know, almost at the end of the second year, he's owed nineteen point eight million next year, of which is four millions only guaranteed. I'm sure that the New York Knicks will be looking to not only guarantee the rest of that contract uh, for twenty one twenty two, but look to see what they can do around an extension as well, and that will be something obviously a lot more you know beneficial to to Randall as well. So, you know, he's been absolutely terrific. Uh, we always knew he was offensively gifted. He's been a bit of a fantasy star and a guy that. A lot of guys in our league in particular. Anal Beads has been a big fan of him for a long time. The, the Anal Beads has, you know, rolled him out season after season and, and for good reason too because he's, you know, he's always been a reasonably good scorer. He's, um, his scoring average has always been generally pretty good the last three or four seasons and the rebounding numbers are there. But the one that's really jumped up this year and we spoke about it earlier in the season was the assists and the ability to be a playmaker, um, not take so many bad shots and, and really be a team leader for this New York Knicks that we're kind of screaming out for an identity and he's been the guy I think that's been able to really shape them and in fact now they're getting more supporters into the garden they got someone to legitimately cheer for, cheer for for the first time really you know since Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire and a few of those guys back six seven eight years ago so you know next year 
it'll be interesting to see how this team shakes out again. But in the short term, I'm sure they're really looking at they're locking into making a really significant run here in the playoffs. And as you said, outstanding performance to get into a you know what looks to be at least a four or five seed potentially here and an opportunity to get through to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, you don't see very often that a guy in his seventh season makes these significant jumps with, his, as you said there, the assist work, but also the shooting as well. So full credit to Randall. He's obviously put in a lot of hard work. There's, there's stories about him always. He learned from Kobe Bryant that when you when you land in, in a town, you've got to go and get your shots up before you get to the hotel. And apparently he's taken that mantra upon him the last few seasons, and he's certainly starting to, to reap the rewards because of that. Now, that last forward spot I really battled with, as I said, we, there's a lot of guys who have missed a lot of games through, through injury and health and safety protocols. So it was really hard to decide who you were going to go with for, for that last spot. In the end, I ended up going with, and this can probably be a little bit of a homer pick, but Jimmy Butler, who, who has had an outstanding year. So his numbers at 21.6 points a game, seven rebounds, 7.2 assists, a league-leading 2.1 steals, the shooting numbers at 49% from the field. He doesn't shoot the three-ball well, as we know, only 20%, but 86% from the line. The PER, PER at 26.4%. Uh, suggests that he's been a really efficient player. But I, I think when you start to get into some of these advanced stats as well, I think it starts to really show that the true value for uh, for Jimmy Butler. So in win shares per 48 minutes, he's third in the league behind Jokic and Embiid, who are clearly the, the, the number one and two picks for in the MVP discussions. In box, box plus minus, he's sixth in the league. And at value over replacement player, he's seventh in the league. Now, some of these stats can obviously be a little bit noisy, but when you start popping up, Know, really high in some of these lists, uh, in all these lists, I think it probably gives a pretty true indication of the season you've had. Now, he's only played the the 49 games, the same as Kawhi Leonard, the same as Joel Embiid, more than LeBron James. So you probably can't ding him too much for the fact that he wasn't on the court, you know, particularly early on in the season. He, he missed a lot of a lot of games. But when he's been on the court, Miami have been a much, much better team. They've been really effective on the defensive end. He's one of the better defenders in, in the competition. And as I said there, his, his offensive work has been really good at a really efficient clip. So I ended up settling on Jimmy Butler uh, for my last spot in the forward uh, position there. Yeah, look, that's a, a fair selection and no real surprise being a you know a long-term Miami Heat supporter that you've been able to somehow swindle him into the second team. Uh, but Probably yeah. always going to happen, wasn't it? <laughs> probably probably was. So, you know, I think the three-point shooting, for me, is still a bit of an issue for him. You know, that's an area of real improvement that he needs to continue to work on. But, you know, as a, as a team leader, the guy that's still averaging in the low 20s per game, um, yeah, hard hard to go past. And the fact that, you know, again, we've spoken about many teams this year that have suffered, you know, a lot of adversity. Miami is, would be at the in the top five or six of those teams as well. And they've, you know, been able to slowly build their way back up. You know, they're up into the sixth seed now, which, you know, they've been sort of languishing in that play-in zone most of the season. So they've got a full game clear now of Boston. And you'd like to think, you know, that there's still a chance to potentially move all the way up past Atlanta and New York and, you know, who knows, land a four seed too as the season comes to a climax with just five games to go. They're only a game back from New York out of the four seed. So, you know, Butler's a terrific leader, um, a great player. And, you know, as I said, the, the only knock for me is probably that three-point shooting. But um, the defence is obviously incredible and, and the, the playmaking, rebounding, you know, is all complete package really. Yeah, and he did shoot the three ball at a, at a pretty good clip during the playoff last season. So he, he just sort of puts it away and then brings it out when needed. So it's going to be interesting to see whether he does bring that out and shoot that a little bit more during the playoffs. Obviously, for Miami's sake, you would hope that he does. Now, I had I obviously had Joel Embiid as my second-team centre. Given that you cheated the system, Caddy, and put Embiid <laughs> down as a forward, Jimmy's never played a second there in his life. 
Who did you have as your second team centre? Well, you can only work with what the, um, the people Fair give enough. you to work with. Fair so, enough. look, I've been able to get them both in the first team, but it has left a bit of a hole there at centre in my second team. Um, but I've gone with the big Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz, um, the NBA uh, league leading Utah Jazz. So, again, whether you call him the absolute number one player on this team or not would be, you know, obviously a debate to be had with Donovan Mitchell. Um, as well, he's obviously missed so much basketball over the last 15 to 20 games. But Joe Bear so far suited up in the 67 games. He's been a real pillar of strength again for them. Consistency, scoring, rebounding, block shots, the defense. It's a career high for him, 2.8 block shots at the moment. He's got the 14.3 points, 13.3 rebounds. Um, the f- effective field goal percentage at 67.5 is absolutely outstanding. And again, I, I've, I've commented on numerous times throughout the season just about how everything that Utah do and everything they try and be really does revolve around uh, Rudy Gobert. And whether you, you know, the scoring numbers in particular don't often jump off the page, but everything offensively they do um, with him in the middle of the of the paint is, is how it's all set up. So he's so crucial to the way that they want to play and when he's up and going that they're really hard to stop. So they've got to continue to find ways to keep him out on the court, which I think Quinn Snyder's done a better job of this year. And, um, you know, I think he's probably going to be a, a real chance again to win another defensive player of the year. He's already won two of those. He'll be looking for his third. You know, he's a perennial all defensive player and he'll be that again this year. So I think to be able to slide him in at centre in this second team would be fair and due recognition. Certainly would be. And I know you had him in your top 15 players when we did that a few weeks ago and he's had an outstanding year. He was my third team All-NBA centre and, you know, you ran through all the reasons for that. He's a, he's a front runner in the defensive player of the year discussion. You mentioned how crucial he is, despite the fact that at only 14.3 points a game, how crucial he's, he's screening and rolling is to creating those open three-point shots for, for their knockdown shooter. So he plays a crucial role. Obviously, defensively, whether the third-rated team in the NBA, you can, you can put that fairly and squarely on Rudy Gobert's shoulders. They don't have a lot of other outstanding defenders, really. You know, Royce O'Neal's a good defender. Um, but th- those other guys are probably just average. So he's certainly the guy that, that leads the charge with them there and, yeah, obviously contributes to... Not not just by putting points on the board, but but by the system that they run. Such a crucial guy, and, and I thought in the end was probably clearly the, the, the third best center. But we'll run through some of these other names, and obviously you're going to have to pick somebody else for that third that third team spot uh, to go uh, to go in your center spot there. So moving on to the third team now, instead of just going straight into who we're going to pick at these positions. I thought it got pretty tight, I reckon, with all these positions once we got to that last team. So for the guards, we'll, we'll just I'll just run through some of the guys who, who could be considered for these guard spots. Now, I'm going to run through quite a, quite a number of these guys, and we could probably put a, a line through some of these reasonably easily. But in no particular order at all, you've got the guards in Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, Trey Young, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Jalen Brown, James Harden, Mike Conley and Ben Simmons. Now, I've obviously named a lot of guys there, but I think it probably speaks volumes to to the depth, particularly at guard at the guard position that we do have in the NBA. Out of those guys, Caddy, I'm assuming you probably went with with two of those guys out of that list. Who did you end up settling with in the guard position? Look, I have, you know, obviously had a bit of difficulty as well with this, and you know, just as you rattle off all those names, it is quite incredible that we've been able to both, you know, select Chris Paul at his age ahead of. A whole lot of those guys just shows the impact that he has had uh, with Phoenix this year. Look, I've selected Kyrie Irving for one of the guard spots in the third team. You know, we've spoken about him as well many times this year and our disappointment of the way he handles particular situations. But the fact that he has ended up playing the 51 games so far, 
Um, I think that's a reasonable number. As you said, we have considered guys that are playing, you know, the 49 um, numbers. So I think for him, at 51 games, he's averaging the 27.4 points a game, shooting at 50, uh, 50% from the field, nearly 40% from three, um, and the 92% from the line. So his numbers are outstanding. He's been the real mainstay probably out of that Brooklyn team. You know, KD's missed so much basketball. Um, James Harden, obviously a late arrival and has missed, you know, so much of his back into the season. So he's been really the consistent force, um, really post-All-Star break and um, held them in really good stead. You know, he's you know probably the best ball handler we've just about ever seen in NBA history. And the fact that, you know, he's continued to play at a really high level, his scoring numbers are right on par with what he averaged last year. It's exactly 27.4 points. And his three-point shooting is exactly the same last year, 39 20, uh, 19-20 and 39.4 again this year. So he's an elite player. You know, he's been able to shoulder a lot of that load without Harden and Durant. Beside him, they've only played in the seven games, all three of those guys, which is just you know incredibly sad, really, that we haven't seen a, a bigger sample size. And, you know, who knows if both of those guys have been more consistent in their availability, whether or not, you know, he may, may have had to take a little bit of a step back from what he's had to produce ended up producing this year. So I think on the back of all of that, uh, the fact that Brooklyn are the second best side in the East at the moment, then I think Kyrie Irving really needs to be recognised and rewarded for that. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt he's had an incredible season. As you said, he's probably been the one constant, despite the fact that, you know, 51 games isn't a huge number. Um, but it was they're, they're an interesting case study, aren't they, Brooklyn? Because obviously, you know, uh, James Harden has, has only played the 42 games. Uh, Kevin Durant's missed so many games. And and they are the second seed at 44 and 24, and you're looking at them thinking, do they deserve to have somebody in the All-NBA teams? Now, I, I didn't go with Kyrie Irving. Just, just, it was probably, I just docked him for the fact that he just, just sort of does disappear for sort of stretches, and nobody really knows, including his coach, exactly what's going on. Now, that, that can't be great for team chemistry, but you can't really dispute the numbers that, the numbers that he has put up when he's when he's been on the court. As you said, you ran through him there at the 27.4 points a game, and his efficiency is really good, but... I just yeah, I just docked him for that, and 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 the guys that I did end up going with, they just played a few more games, not a great deal more games, but but certainly a little bit more. So my my first selection was Devin Booker. Um, he's played the sixty three games, so clearly a lot more than than uh, Kyrie Irving has, and his numbers at twenty five point six points a game, four point one rebounds, a four point four assists at. 48-34-86 splits. Now, obviously, Chris Paul's had a, had a huge impact as well, and that's the reason we both put him on the second team. But Devin Booker's been massive as well to, to to help drag Phoenix up into this second seed, which nobody would have saw coming at the start of the season. I think most people thought, you know, they'll pro- more than likely be a playoff team, maybe in somewhere between eight to five, at absolute best-case scenario. But for them to be clearly in the second second position in the West, certainly a lot of the credit does need to go to Chris Paul. But Devin Booker certainly needs to take some of that credit as well. And he's been obviously the one constant for, constant for them over the last few years. And he's had a really good season. We've seen him hit some big shots late in games. He's a guy they can go to. He, he at, at only 34% from threes, is a little bit surprising given how sweet his stroke is. He looks like a really fluent shooter from three. So you'd obviously like that number to jump up a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see how he goes in the playoffs given that he's never played any meaningful games. He was really good in the bubble last year. I think they get, did they give out an MVP for that bubble? Did he, he won that or something? I think he might have won that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so I mean, not, you wouldn't call those really meaningful games given they didn't end up making the playoffs, but but he certainly played well when, when they needed to win last year. So I'm more than confident that he's going to have a good playoff series for them and I thought he needed to be rewarded for his season. Well, the good the one stat I came across this week, just looking this up, was um, he's just 
one of eight players in NBA history with 9,000 career points through their age 24 season. So the other ones that are on that list are LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady, Anthony Davis, and Shaq. So he's in really good company. Pretty handy list. From that point of view, look, I haven't, I've just left him out of this team. It was probably really in the end, you know, I, in hindsight, looking at it now, do I rate Chris Paul too highly, putting him up into the second team? You know, should have Booker maybe been the guy that was elevated out of both of those. But look, I, I just couldn't go past in the end, Bradley Beal, 31.4 points a game in the guard spot. You know, Washington have been able to get on a, a pretty decent run here right at the back end to put themselves back up into this play-in tournament, which is which was looking hopeless at one point earlier in the season. Russell Westbrook, his running partners, just had an incredible last month or so, just putting in insane numbers up. Um, you know, he equaled, I think it was Oscar Robinson's triple-double record uh, today or yesterday. So, you know, he's been a, a huge part of it as well. But uh, it'd be pretty hard to look yourself in the eye and say, look, I've left off pretty much the league-leading score in 31.4 points out of the top 15 players in the league. So I've rewarded him there um, for his scoring and the fact that, you know, finally Washington have been able to get a bit of a run on here. And, yeah, look, he shot the ball really well this season. Again, Bradley Beal is at uh, 48% the field, you know, quite extraordinary, really, putting up those sort of numbers in a, in a team that he really has had to carry for the past five or six years. So, you know, obviously really hard decisions to try and, you know, split these guards out. Ben Simmons is obviously a guy that you need to consider. Devin Booker's the other one. James Harden just didn't put enough games together, I don't think, to, to be considered. And, you know, I've gone ended up, as I said, with Kyrie Irving and Bradley Beal in my guard spots. Yeah, he was a tougher submission for me, Bill. I've been a huge fan of his for years. He's been the cornerstone of my fantasy team for, for the last two seasons. You ran through the numbers there, 31.4 points a game is incredible. He had another 50-point 50, 50 game today. Unfortunately, it looks like he might have strained his hamstring. So hopefully for, for Washington's sake, he's not, he's not out for too long. They've got themselves up into the ninth seed on the back of their form lately. They could even push into the eighth seed and maybe play against that seventh seed to to go straight into the playoffs if they can win that first playing game. So he, he's been the one constant for them right throughout the season. Obviously, Westbrook, you mentioned there, the numbers he's been putting up over the last month or so has been, been incredible. He did he did uh, tie the record for Oscar Robinson for, for the most triple-doubles in in playoff history, he'll probably go go past that in his next game. The way he's chalking those up lately, but Bill Bill's been the one constant. The the thirty one point four points a game, four point seven rebounds, forty uh, four point four assists, absolutely incredible. And he's he's very very unlucky to to miss out on 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 my spot on my last spot there. As I said, the, the toughest omission for me. He's played uh, played the fifty nine games, so he's been out on the court uh, for, for a large chunk of this season. Hasn't missed too many games. So in a season where where guys have missed a lot of games. He's got to get some credit points for that. But I ended up going with Donovan Mitchell. Now, Mitchell's been he's, he's been out, out injured for the last little portion of the season here, but the, the 26.4 uh, points a game, 4.4 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 43-38-84 splits. He's only played a 53 uh, games, but Utah are the best team in the competition at 50 and 18. He's obviously the cornerstone of, of, their, of their offense. The numbers he was putting up prior to his injury – uh, post that all-star break he was at a tick under 30 points a game and I just think he needs to be rewarded for for the fact that he that he's the best offensive player on the best team uh in in the NBA obviously you know I've got Rudy Gobert at my center spot as well so they probably do deserve the the, the two guys in in the all NBA conversation and Gobert obviously is crucial to their defense and does play a, a large role in their offensive well but when the game's on the line and, and they've got it they need a shot to win a game the ball's always in Donovan Mitchell's hands and he's done a pretty good job for them right throughout the season to carry carry them to that number one seed in the west 
Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. You know, for me, it was probably just the that latest injury and not enough games potentially down the stretch here to, to elevate over those other couple of guys. But yeah, I'm a huge Donovan Mitchell fan. I've got a really soft spot for Utah and I hope he can deliver for them um, in the playoffs this season. Yeah, so you ran through some of those other guys that were unlucky to miss out. Now, James Harden was well and truly on his way to making the, the team, but he's only played the 42 games, but it, his numbers were outstanding. 25 points a game, uh, 8 rebounds and 10.9 assists. So as I said, he, he was obviously a walk-up start for this if it wasn't for those injuries. Uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, we mentioned him. He, he's finished well, so far for the season. He's at 22 points a game, 11.6 rebounds, 11.5 assists. Even somebody like Trey Young, who's got Atlanta into the fifth seed with a record of 37 and 31, he's at the 25.4 points a game, 3.9 rebounds and 9.5 assists. So you could mount a case, even though he didn't make the all-star team, that he he should be considered for this. Even your man, Zach Levine, caddy at the 27.2 points a game, 5.1 rebounds and 5 assists. Now, Chicago have been a little bit disappointing, obviously being three games back from that playing that last playing spot behind Indiana. But Levine's had had a super season, shot the ball at a really good clip, and a guy that I would have liked to see get reward despite the fact that his numbers don't leap off the page. Similar to Chris Paul, he's come to a new team in the Milwaukee Bucks. That's Drew Holiday. Now his numbers at seventeen point seven points a game, four point six rebounds, five point nine assists, and one point seven steals. Again, don't jump off the page, but he shoots it at a good clip at 50% from the field, 39% from three, 77% from the line. And we know what a great defender he is. We saw in in the back-to-back scenario against the Brooklyn Nets, he, he was able to lock up Kyrie Irving, one of the few guys that has ever been able to get it, been getting to the shirt of Kyrie Irving and actually affect the way that Irving plays offense. So he, he's going to be a crucial part to Milwaukee throughout this playoff run that they have, both both certainly defensively, but also on the offensive end. You know, they're going to hope that he's going to be able to give them more, and I'm sure he will, that the Eric Blesley did over the last few years. So he's going to play a big role for them right throughout the playoffs. Oh, no doubt at all. And, you know, this last third team, you know, you, you could really list you know, probably 10 to 12 players to, to fit into five, so it's going to be really, really difficult uh, to, to fill this roster out even from the forward uh, point of view. So where did, where did you end up landing there? Now, with with a forward position, the first spot went to to Paul George. Now he he's averaging the twenty three point six points a game, the six point six rebounds, and the five point two assists, shooting forty seven, forty two, eighty seven clips. Now he's shooting a career high forty two percent from three, and he and he's he's taking a large number of attempts per game as well. So he's played the fifty one games, so he has missed some some basketball. But obviously, the Clippers, the third seed in the West, forty five twenty two record. I had Kawhi Leonard in, in my first team as well, and I think. Paul George, obviously, offensively, he's been really good, but but he's a great defender as well. So much like he's he, his mate there in Kawhi Leonard, he's one of the better uh, perimeter defenders uh, in the NBA. So he's doing it, I think, on both ends. He's play, he's been on the court enough. He's a really integral part of, of of a Clippers team that have gone along probably a little bit unnoticed. We're all waiting to see how they do go throughout the playoffs. They've probably got all their fingers crossed that they don't have to come up against the Lakers in in the first round and can make a deep run. But I think Paul George needs to be rewarded for for a consistent season. Yeah, look, he's again, you know, been one of these guys, not lot dissimilar for me, Chris Paul and the LA Clippers as a whole that I've, you know, marked really hardly over the years, but, you know, I think, you know, his, his numbers, if you've, you've just gone through it, been really solid this year and be a worthy recipient, I think, of uh, an All-NBA selection. Look, I've overlooked him <laughs> again, like I did probably with my All-Star team and probably with my You're not a big Paul George fan, fan of say, are you, Caddy? No, probably not, and, you know, it's probably unfair, I would have thought, to an extent, but um, no, there's just other guys that I gravitate to a little bit more than than um, than PG. So you know, look, I think he's 
I really hope for his sake he can deliver for the Clippers in the playoffs this year. But you know, you just like to, you just think you know if it's a anything short of a Western Conference Finals, if it's a second round exit or an ugly second round exit this year, then the question marks are going to be there again around Paul George and whether or not you know he's really going to be able to get get a team over the hump. So I yeah I just wasn't able to go with him in the end. Um, I couldn't go past you know I tried to leave him out, but I think in the end you know we spoke about the first half of the season he was. You know, high in MVP conversation, that was LeBron James. So I have gone with him in my third All-NBA team. Just um, the 43 games, I think it is at this stage, you know, but his numbers earlier in the season, you know, coming back out of the, the championship with the Lakers last year in the bubble, um, I think, you know, he's still deserving of a spot in this top 15 uh, this year. It'd be really hard to, to leave him off. Um, they obviously struggled a lot without him. Again, a real reference to the fact of, you know, how important he is to them and you know, how important he was to them at the start of the season. So he's still been over, averaged 25 points a game, 7.9 uh, rebounds, 7.8 assists, shooting 51% uh, from the field at his age in what is, you know, I think he's his 18th season. Um, he's just absolutely outstanding still. So he's still a real, you know, you know one of the biggest headaches to match up against. And, a, and a, you know, we spoke about the LA Lakers at the start of the year and the only thing that may have stopped them was injuries and they have had their share in them with obviously Anthony Davis missing so much basketball and now LeBron um, missed, you know, some pivotal time as well. But he has been able to play the 43 games, averaging the 25 points and 8-8 eight and eight really from rebounds and assists. And I think um, that's still enough for me to put him into, into a forward spot in the third team. Now, he was the biggest dilemma for me. Obviously, only the 43 games. You can't dispute what he's done when he, when he was out on the court. So... When I was looking at the forwards, I was coming. It came down to LeBron, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, Michael Porter Jr., Tobias Harris, Demontis Sabonis, Chris Middleton. These were some of the names that I was sort of throwing around for that last spot. And in the end, I, I did side with LeBron, despite the fact that you could probably mount an argument that he's only playing the forty-three games. You probably you could you could leave him off, and and I, and I think you could probably mount a, a fair enough argument for, for to leave him off, given the fact that he has only played in the in the forty three games. But you, you ran through his numbers there; they were really good. He, he was right up in the discussion for the MVP. Probably that was probably getting a little bit inflated, in my opinion. Anyway, I didn't think he deserved to be up there with Jokic and Embiid. I thought he was just a rung below them, but he was certainly getting his name thrown up there by a lot of the LeBron lovers. Um, and I thought his defense has also been had been excellent and has been excellent when he's been on the floor this year as well, which has been a really big uptick in the last couple of seasons that we've seen from LeBron because he not so much co- well he probably did coast you know probably the previous four or five years understandably so given the huge workload that he does have on the offensive end he was very smart about the way he went you know playing defense and when he didn't have the ball he didn't move around too much to, just to conserve some energy but i think there'd been a really strong focus from lebron on the on the defensive end certainly the last two seasons so i did go did go with lebron for that last spot despite the fact that he had played the the 43 games and yeah as i said that those other names there probably zion was the toughest omission for me in the end who ended up grabbing your last spot in the ford team yeah, this is really, really hard, and I've, I've had to leave off the guy you put in the second team, which was Jimmy Butler, and I'll go through that, the main reason for that in a minute. I've also had to leave off Paul George, as I discussed, but and I have gone with Jason Tatum as the third team uh, forward for me. Um, I think he's had a really important season for Boston, obviously got hit with COVID during the season, but still been able to play the 60 games, averaging the 26.3 points, 7.3 re- uh, rebounds, and the 4.4 assists so important to Boston. They've really been up and down all, all season. They're currently in the seventh seed at the moment, just a game behind Miami from the sixth seed. But, you know, really everything they do revolves around Tatum and Jalen Brown to an extent. But when Tatum doesn't play well, 
effectively Boston don't play well, so he's so important to them. But I think, you know, on the whole, the improvement that he's had season on season all the way through his young career um, suggests, you know, that he's he's still got more more in him. Um, we've, you know, we've asked for more more out of him throughout this season on the podcast, and you know, he's been able to put up some really big individual games, um, a sixty point game, and a few other really exciting uh, games as well this season. So. I think, yeah, for, for all of that and the fact, you know, the Boston still have been able to hang around, potentially, you know, still to get up into that top six, ideally for them. Um, Jason Tatum, for me, was the one I wanted to reward. I know you've been watching his, his progress really closely, given the fact that he's in your fantasy team. So if you say he's had a good season, and he certainly has, you would certainly know. I think you mentioned at one stage throughout the season that he just he puts up some clunkers every now and then, and, and he and he did that again in their last game where they, where they had a really big loss. He only scored the nine points, I think it was. And, and you mentioned that some of those top flight or those top line players don't have those single digit scoring performances. So it's it's interesting to see the the big discrepancy he does have in some of his games. He had that sixty piece just uh, recently where he held up the sign like Will Chamberlain and wrote 60 on the bit of paper but to be able to have to have such a big sort of variance between his his, his best and worst games that's it's a little bit concerning and and that was probably the main reason to be honest that I did dock him a little bit albeit we're splitting hairs when when we're taught like he's had an outstanding year and you've got to find a reason to maybe dock him and that was probably the reason I went with despite the fact that he's a really good defender as well the, the toughest omission as I said for me was Zion Williamson yeah. And the season he's put together at 27 points a game, 7.2 rebounds, the 3.7 assists, which probably would have been higher if Stan Van Gundy had opened his eyes a bit earlier and, and put the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, unfortunately, he's out injured at the moment with a, with a finger injury, and it probably looks like it's going to A, end his season, and B, and, and the Pelicans' chance of being able to make that play-in tournament, which is really disappointing. And, and the biggest concern we had about him was being able to stay on the court, and he's been able to stay, stay relatively healthy, before this finger injury, um, and shooting 61% from the field is absolutely incredible. So I think Zion, he's, he's just su- such a force on the offensive end. We'd obviously like him to get better on the defensive end, and hopefully you know, he can do that over the offseason and get better year by year progressively. And if he can continue to improve, maybe he can round out his jump shooting, uh, become a better three-point shooter, because if he does that, he's going to be almost un- unstoppable on the offensive end. Yeah, look, he was the one I felt bad for to leave out as well. And in the end, it was just there probably the 30 and 37 overall record that probably cost him that spot for me and I and why I ends up going with Jason Tatum. But, you know, he's, again, improved from his rookie season, which is really fantastic. And, you know, we, we just got so much enjoyment to continue to watch him over the future. And hopefully, as you said, he can stay fit, you know, to get up to 27 points a game. <coughs> Excuse me, in just his second season, shooting 61% from the field is Without is a awesome. three-point shot too, to average 27 without being able to shoot the three-point shot's incredible. Yeah, absolutely, and he's just been able to bully him inside the paint, um, and that's you know what we kind of expected of him coming out of college that he was hopefully going to be able to do. And you know there was a few question marks in his just his twenty four games he played last year, but he's certainly been able to string obviously more games together and 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 be a real force to, so early in his career. So you know I think in the short term we'll see him you know really be on these lists as soon as probably next year you'd you'd, you'd like to think. Yeah, you, hopefully, yeah, as you said, he can stay healthy, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be right up there for, for, for these teams in the very near future. Now, that last centre spot, I saw, I, I said I went with Rudy Gobert. The other the other names I did consider were Nikola Vucevic, Bam Adebayo, and Clint Capella. So I'm going to be interested to see, Caddy, who you had as your third-team centre. Yeah, well, this is where my um, arrogance in my first-team naming Embiid and Jokers has come back to bite me <laughs> ass, I think, because of those players we've, we've left off in the guard and forward spots here in the third-team. 
I would have had a whole bunch of them ahead of the guy that I've picked for centre, which is Bam Adebayo, which is the reason I really left I love Jimmy it. Butler. I love it, Caddy. Well, it's, it's come at Jimmy Butler's expense, really. I couldn't really look myself in the eye and have two Miami players in, in these teams. So the fact that I've had to elevate Bam has probably cost Butler <laughs> a spot, which is you know probably sounds ridiculous, but that's just the way I've, I've decided to roll with it. And, yeah, really, without any great depth in the centre spot, we go further down. Some of these teams, like obviously Anthony Davis has only played in the 32 games, I think is, is at this stage, just isn't enough to be considered. <coughs> and, um, you know, Bam has had a has had another terrific season, really averaging, you know, an, an improved 19 points a game. He was up from 15.9 last year, nine rebounds, the 5.4 assists. So he's able to obviously create with ball in hand as well. Shooting percentages are, are strong, albeit, you know, the three-point shot hasn't evolved at all, which, you know, you'd like to think, you know, in the next year or two, he can try and add add some something like that to his game. But you know, he's a pivotal piece of Miami. He obviously gets overlooked sometimes due to you know Jimmy Butler and the excitement that we see out of Tyler Hero and the shooting of Duncan Robinson and the trade of Victor Oladipo and you know all of this type of thing. But it, Bam has been a real constant for them again this year, playing in the sixty games and um, you know been able to keep them you know afloat in the standings. And um, really, as I said, I probably would have had. Five or six players ahead of ahead of him. If we're just picking fifteen players flat out, you you wouldn't have been there. But the fact that I've had to select a centre, I've I've gone with Bam over the likes of uh, Vucevic, who's you know numbers are, are offensively are better, but just hasn't been able to contribute to any great winning on either the Orlando Magic or the Chicago Bulls. And then you know Clint Capella's numbers have been fantastic for Atlanta. So he probably would have been the one I would have considered, you know, if it wasn't for Bam. But um, no, I'll give the the nod to your Miami Heat. Bam Adebayo. Yeah, he he has had an outstanding year. He, the, the thing I love about Bam is he just he gets better at something uh, every season. And even though it was it was a short off season, he just he got better w- w- with his shooting ability. So from mid range, last year between the from sixteen feet to the three point line, he was only shooting twenty two percent. This year, that's jumped up to thirty five percent. So that's a huge jump up, and and just makes him such a such a more rounded offensive player. He's obviously really explosive around the rim. We we see the number of dunks that he throws down. He's 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 just got such really he's such quick hops. He can he can throw the dunks over a, a number of centers, and he's just really outstanding too on the defensive end. He's you see that moniker sort of thrown around. He can guard one through five, but he's a guy that can legitimately do that. He can he can guard your point guards out on the perimeter, and can obviously guard guard your centers as well. So there's only a handful of guys that can actually do that, despite the fact that you do hear that get thrown around a lot. He can legitimately do that, and you know Miami have probably well not probably they certainly underperformed the expectations that everybody thought they would have going into the season. But I don't I don't think you can blame too much of that on Obama out of bio shoulders. The, the season he's been able to put together has been. Really Really good. I'm excited to see what Miami can do if they can actually get healthy at some stage. We saw Tyler Hero come back, I think it was yesterday, and have a really good game. So if they can manage to get all these pieces back together, get even Victor Oladipo back out on the floor, I think they could they could cause some headaches. And Bam Adebayo is going to be, you know, the real top of that list along with Jimmy Butler. He's going to be the one driving that along. I agree. It was probably Clint Capella, Clint Capella. Sorry for that for the for that last spot as well. Um, I was t- I was tossing up between Adebayo and Capella for, for for if I was doing an All NBA fourth team, but it probably just highlights how skinny I think the center position is is doesn't it when you know when you put Embiid on your first team it meant that you probably had to pick somebody that you didn't want to go with, um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I would certainly like to see you know the position sort of scrapped and we're just picking our best fifteen players. Yeah, I think so, and that that was the the case right there where really 
we're trying to reward these first team guys by you know sliding Embiid into a centre forward position or Jokic into that position, but it then does thin it out at the back end. As you said, the centre almost has become a, a slightly redundant position in the league, and then yeah, then to have to pick pick one in your third team anyway, but then leave off you know plenty of guys that would have been worthy of a of a berth in these teams. So even the fact that, you know Zion was potentially a, a eligible as a forward and centre, then you know he would have certainly came into that team for me. So. Yeah, there is some inconsistencies the way that they've they've tried to make it easier, I think. But it, yeah, they, there's still a, a ways to go in to make it fully transparent and fair. Yeah, hopefully they do that in the near future. So for me, being you know living off a of Beal or a Tatum or a Zion, if you're able to sort of manipulate some of those positions around, you, you you'd just like to see the best 15 players rewarded in, in the All NBA uh, situations. So we'll call it there. Um, another sort of lengthy, lengthy uh, episode. But when you when you're discussing these sort of things, you, you can sort of get, you know, you can go on a little bit because there's a lot of stuff that you need to get into. As I say every week, uh, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast and support us. Um, if you haven't jumped on jumped on Apple uh, Podcasts yet, jump on there. Give us a five star review. Helps us uh, spread the word. We've also got the Facebook Facebook page up and going. Did you see my cousin Chris Caddy uh, has put up a flyer <laughs> in a prominent location in Hawthorne? He said to help spread the word. So if, if you're going to be as as good as uh, as Chris is there, we've got to give him a shout out. And hopefully some of our other loyal listeners can start putting up some flyers around the city, and we can <laughs> we can see the city covered in powering the key uh, flyers, Caddy. That'd be nice. Yeah, there's that really good spot under the Punt Road um, bridge there where the railway goes <laughs> yes. up. If we just get, I love get seeing some, the flyers get, there. Get some flyers plastered along there for the people on their way to the footy. I think that'd be uh, you know the, the normal step forward from there, I would have thought. Certainly would be. Uh, once again, thank you for everybody to listen to this, and we'll speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.